Hello and welcome to the New Hope Church podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv. And we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, good morning, New Hope Church. I want to welcome everyone into the service this morning. Those of you at the Webster campus, those of you at the Friendswood campus, those of you at the Alvin campus, those of you right here at the 288 campus, and of course, all of you watching online. We are so thrilled that each and every one of you have made the decision to be in God's house today. Well, my name is John. I am the pastor of Providence Church in Sugarland. It is good to be back with you today. I want to thank Pastor Tim for giving me the opportunity to hang out with you and to teach. I believe that God has a timely message for all of us today. In fact, all week long, I've been praying that we would not just get into God's word, but that God's word would get into us. And so if you are ready to receive a word from God this morning, would you just say out loud, I'm ready. Very, very good. Well, if you are just joining us, we are in a series of lessons called Living by the Spirit. We've been making our way through some foundational passages found in the New Testament book of Galatians. In fact, the key verse or the theme verse for this entire series comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. I'm going to put that verse on the screen right here. It says this. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in with the Spirit. Now, through this series, we've been learning that the instant we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God sends his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. And from that point forward, it is our job to learn how to live by the Spirit. The wild part is the more that we keep in step with the Spirit, the more of the fruit of the Spirit that begins to grow and develop in our lives. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? I'm so glad you asked. That's a good question. Galatians answers this for us as well. It says this in verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Of course, if you've been here the last few weeks, then you know that we've already talked about the fruit of love and the fruit of joy in the weeks ahead. We are going to be talking about patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today, however, we are going to be talking about the fruit of peace. And because I am a curious pastor, by show of hands, how many of you would say, yes, I believe that we could use a little more peace in this world? Yes, absolutely. Hands going up all over the place. We could use a little bit more peace in the world. Well, this word peace in the English, it comes from the Greek word irene. In fact, I got it right there on the screen for you. So everybody say irene with me. Very good. And this is easy for me to remember because this is my wife's name. Actually, her name is Irene, which you can see right there in the word Irene. And this makes perfect sense if you know her, because if you've ever met her, then you would know that she is one of the most peaceful people on the planet. I mean, there is not a confrontational bone in her body unless unless you mess with her kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Then mama bear comes out. Not, not a you know, controversial, confrontational bone in her body unless you mess with her kids, then peace flies right out the window. And I think a lot of us can relate to that because even though we know the Holy Spirit should be producing more irene, 
more peace in our lives. There are just some things in this world. There are just some people in this world that can keep us from peace. So what does it look like to have the fruit of peace developing and growing in our lives? Well, the word peace, it literally means a state of tranquility, quiet, or calm. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I see this definition, I immediately start thinking about a white, sandy beach. I think about the sun shining down. I think about the waves gently breaking on the shore. I think about a lounge chair and an umbrella and a nice cold drink and Irene by my side and not a person in sight. But the interesting thing to me is that peace isn't necessarily a geographical location. In fact, this one word for peace can apply to so many different areas of our lives. For example, it can refer to world peace as in no more wars. And wouldn't it be great if our governments around the globe could figure out how to get along with one another so that there would be no more wars. It can also refer to redemptive peace because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. God turns his wrath away from us and so we are no longer separated from God. Instead, we have peace with God. It can also refer to inner peace And this is the individual who feels safe and secure regardless of what is happening in the world around them. And over the last seven months, we've been talking about how we can live with peace with God's help, even in the middle of a pandemic, although many of us are still trying to figure out that lesson. Then there's another kind of peace that we experience as we pass from this life to the next. We call it eternal peace. That's why many times at a funeral, you might hear the phrase, rest in peace. But there's another way peace can be applied to our lives, and that would be in our relationships. That would be relational peace. And this is when people experience unity and harmony with one another. Well, that is the kind of peace that we are going to talk about today. Of course, you cannot talk about relational harmony without talking about this. Can't talk about relational harmony without talking about human conflict. That's because conflict is the opposite of peace. That's because conflict can be a relationship killer. And we all know that many times conflict is really unavoidable in our lives. Let me illustrate it for you this way. Let's say that you go to the grocery store and you're in a hurry. You just got to grab a couple of things. So you go to the express line. You're standing in the express line when all of a sudden you notice the person in front of you has 19 items in their basket. And the reason you know they've got 19 items in their basket is because you've counted all 19 items in their basket. And the reason you counted all 19 items is because there's a sign that's been posted that clearly states 15 items or less. And now this person is causing you to be late to wherever you're trying to get to. And so what do you do? There's potential for conflict. Or how about this? Let's say you've got a great idea for your company, and so at the water cooler one day, you share this idea with all the employees there and all the other employees. Man, that's a great idea. But before you have a chance to share it with the powers that be, one of them goes to the VP of product development, and the next thing you know, they're hanging out with the executive team. They're having lunch with all the important people, leaving you out in the cold. They didn't give you credit for that idea whatsoever. What do you do in that situation? Or how about this one? Let's say that you're getting ready to drop the kids off at the school 
and you're having a great commute day. I mean, everything is perfect. Sun is shining. You're listening to the New Hope devotional on Tuesday morning. It's a great commute day. That is until right before you get to the school, somebody cuts in front of you, violating your space and breaking the drop kid off protocol for the school. What do you do in that situation? I know exactly what you do because I do the same thing. You lose your mind. That's what you do, right? And you start yelling through the windshield as if they can hear your words on the other side or as if it's going to make any kind of a difference. Now, those situations that I just described to you, those are usually pretty easy for us to handle, pretty easy for us to deal with, but just turn on the news cycle or start scrolling through your social media feed, and there are a myriad of topics that will stir up controversy in your life, are there not? In fact, let me just share with you three questions this morning, okay? Three questions, these are hot topics that we're seeing a lot right now. I do not want you to answer out loud, okay? Do not, those of you at home, do not answer out loud. It's just gonna cause trouble. But here are three questions that we're hearing a lot. Here's the first question. Should we wear a mask or not wear a mask? Don't, don't, don't say anything, okay? Just think, think about it. These are rhetorical, all right? Here's another one. Should we kneel? or should we stand? Don't, don't, again, don't answer. Just think about it. How about this one? Should we vote red or should we vote blue? Man, I'm telling you, you're not saying anything, but I can feel the temperature <laughs> starting to rise in the room right now. Is it not? I mean, I, I believe that any one of those questions can trigger a firestorm of conflict in your life that leaves all of us wondering right now, is it possible for us to ever find peace in this world? And yet that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do. How many of you remember the Sermon on the Mount? When Jesus first started his ministry, he preaches this very famous sermon. Right at the beginning, there's a section called the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus says something that just is mind-blowing to me. Check this out. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, blessed are the, what? Say it with me. Blessed are the peacemakers, not peace breakers, the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, just to be clear, peacemakers are what each and every one of us are supposed to do, those of us in Christ. In fact, if you want to know what God's peace plan for the world is, it's you and it's me, okay? Those of us in Christ, we're supposed to be peacemakers. Now, I will say this, being a peacemaker doesn't necessarily make you a child of God, okay? I mean, Scripture teaches that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. So being a peacemaker doesn't make you a child of God. However, being a child of God does make you a peacemaker. You see, peace is not just something God wants to give to you. Peace is something that God wants to do through you. That, that was pretty good. You might want to write that down, okay? Peace is not just something God wants to give to you. It's something that he wants to do through you. And yet it's the opposite of what so many of us think. So many of us pray, God, 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 please change the world so that I can have some peace in my life. God says, no, no, no. I want to change you so that there can be peace in this world. By the way, this is exactly why God has given you the Holy Spirit. Well, one of the many reasons. God has put his spirit in you so that you can bring peace to your family. 
God has put his spirit in you so that you can bring peace to your neighborhood. God has put his spirit in you so that you can bring peace to your office. God, God wants you to become a peacemaker. In fact, I want to say something that's going to set some people free this morning. God's peace plan for the world does not begin and end with a political party. Okay, it does, it does not. God's peace plan for the world, it begins and ends with the church. We are peacemakers because we are related to the prince of peace. So how do we become peacemakers in a world that is bent on conflict? Well, to answer that question, we're actually going to be looking in a passage of Scripture that may surprise you. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open them up to Genesis chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, that's not a problem. You can just pull up your digital listening guide. You can look at the screens. We're going to put all the verses up here. But if you don't know anything about the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 4, we meet two brothers. Their names are Cain and Abel. And because they're the very first siblings to ever walk planet Earth, you would think that these two boys would have nothing but love for one another, but that's not exactly the case. In fact, as we look at their story, we're going to see just how destructive conflict can be in our lives. That said, I believe that as we look at their example, we're going to find three principles that we can apply to our lives so that we can be peacemakers in the world. So if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. This would be number one, to be a peacemaker. First of all, number one, ask yourself why. To be a peacemaker, ask yourself why, as in why am I getting so upset? Check, check out Genesis chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 2. Here's the story. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In other words, uh, Abel's a shepherd. Cain is a farmer. Uh, and in the course of time, Cain brought some. I want you to circle that word for me in your notes. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions. Go ahead and circle that from some of the firstborn. You can circle that as well of his flock. The Lord then looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and on his offering did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry. How angry was Cain? He was very angry, right? And his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why? Why are you angry? Now, the truth is most conflict in our lives happens because someone gets angry. And I would say that in a room this size or all of you who are watching at home with me or online, I would say that there's a lot of us who have legitimate reasons to be angry. Someone broke a promise to you. Someone took advantage of you. Someone wronged you in some way, and now you're feeling hurt. You're feeling wounded. You're feeling betrayed. And let me just say as a pastor, I get that 100%. I also believe that God with the help of the Spirit, can actually free you from the root of bitterness. But just to be clear, that's not what's happening here in Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, we find out that Cain is angry about something that, quite honestly, is really not that big of a deal. And so the question that I want to know is why? In fact, I'm not the only one who wants to know why. Who, who else wanted to know why? God, God wants to know why, too. Cain, Cain, why are you so angry? I mean, did, did somebody do something to Cain? Did someone say something to Cain? Did, did someone take something from Cain? Why is Cain so angry? Well, it turns out that Cain is not mad because someone did something to him. Instead, Cain is mad because he didn't get something he wanted. 
He's angry because somebody else got something that he believed that he deserved. In fact, the text tells us exactly why it is that Cain is so upset. Let's return back to Genesis chapter 4. It says this in verse 5, Then the Lord looked on Abel and his offering with favor, but on Cain and his offering he did not. In other words, Abel got a little recognition from God, and Cain is 100% jealous. You see, Abel and Cain both took offerings to God, but only Abel received favor from God. However, instead of being happy or glad for his brother, what does Cain do? Cain chooses to be mad at his brother. Instead of being happy for Abel, Cain chooses to be bitter and resentful and angry, and not just a little bit angry, he was very angry. So here's a good question that I have. Why is it that God chose to show favor to Abel rather than Cain? I mean, does God prefer meat over veggies? Well, you could make a case for that. But I would argue that even though Cain and Abel brought two different types of offerings to God, they both had the same opportunity to receive approval or receive favor or receive blessings from God. The reason I say that is because God is always more interested by what's in a person's heart than he is by what we put in the offering plate. God is always more interested by what's in a person's heart than by what a person puts in the offering plate. However, I will say this, the quality of my offering is always a reflection of what is in my heart. And that is exactly what was going on in Genesis chapter 4. What's true for us is true for Cain and Abel as well. You see, the text says that Cain brought what to God? I had you circle it. You remember? Cain brought some of the fruits from his field. But what did Abel bring? Abel brought the fattest. Abel brought the first from his flocks. In other words, Abel offered God his best, while Cain offered God his worst. And as a result, it was Abel who found favor with God, and Cain couldn't stand it. He couldn't stand that his brother was being the center of attention. And if we're honest, can we be honest? We all have a little bit of Cain inside of us. You know, this weekend, as I fill in here, I've got somebody filling in for me at my church, and uh, normally, uh, the person who fills in for me, his name is Tony. In fact, I've got a picture of Tony right here on the screen. Tony's a good guy. He's a great guy to have on staff, uh, but when uh, Tony preaches, it's different than when I preach, okay? Let, 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 me, let me explain what, what I mean by that. When, when I preach, um, no one talks back during the message, okay? No, no one talks back. When Tony preaches, everybody talks back during the message. Uh, when I preach, nobody claps dur- during the message. Uh, when Tony preaches, everybody claps during the message. When, when I preach, I'm probably, I don't know, maybe a six or seven or eight. When Tony preaches, he's somewhere like an 11, and it is awesome just to watch how passionate that he is about the Word of God and to see him get all excited. And, and, and it's, it's great having someone like Tony around, but, but here's the deal. One Sunday after church, I get a phone call after he filled in for me. I get this phone call, and it's from one of the members of our church. And so they want to talk about the service. And so as the pastor, I'm a little bit worried. Did something go wrong? Did something go right? And they said, no, 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 no. The service was great, pastor. 
Service, service was awesome. In fact, Tony did a great job today. I mean, you should have been in church with us today. Tony did so good. And then he begins to share with me all of the points of the lesson, even though I heard the lesson as well. I mean, I was watching online, right? So I heard, he's going over the points of the lesson with me. And then before he hangs up the phone, this is what he says to me. He says, Pastor, Pastor, you can go out of town anytime you want. <laughs> I'm like, what? He says, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you can leave anytime and you don't have to worry about a thing because Tony was awesome. Now, I think he was trying to encourage me. I really do. But in that moment, I couldn't help but feel just a little hurt by what he said. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't help but feel just a little bit jealous. And so in that moment, what I could have done is I could have been proud of Tony for doing a good job, or I could have been mad at Tony for doing a good job. I mean, I could be happy that we have somebody on staff that I can trust with the service so that I can go out of town, or I could throw a pity party for myself. And so in that moment, I decided to do what any mature person would do, and the very next day, I fired Tony. <laughs> no, 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 that's, no, shame, shame. A <laughs> little too honest this morning, I'm, I'm kidding, okay. I, I did not fire Tony. And you know why I didn't? Because it's not a good reason to get rid of somebody for doing a good job. It's not, not a good reason for me to be upset or mad at somebody because they did a great job. And yet we do it all the time, don't we? I mean, I mean, it happens to us all the time. Somebody gets something that we thought we deserve. Somebody does something better than we can do it, and we just get so upset. I want you to listen to what James says on this topic. This is the half-brother of Jesus. This is James chapter 4, verse 1. James says, do you know where your fights and arguments come from? In other words, you want, you want to know where conflict comes from? They come from the selfish desires that war within who? Within you. So according to Scripture, much of the conflict in our lives doesn't come from people outside of us. It doesn't come from circumstances and situations outside of us. Where does it come from? It comes from within us. It comes from our own selfish desires. We get offended. We get hurt. We get jealous. We've got these selfish desires. And so what do we do when these selfish desires begin to wage war within us? Well, anytime we start to get upset, Anytime we feel our emotions start to boil, anytime we start to lose our cool at work, at home, at the office, or online, the first question we should be asking ourselves is why? Why, why am I getting so upset? And if you can't come up with an answer, ask God, God, why am I getting so upset? I mean, am I getting upset for a good reason or is it because I'm not getting my way? Am I getting upset because I need to be upset or am I just trying to manipulate and control everyone and everything around me? Unfortunately, Cain avoided God's question of why, and instead of taking responsibility for his own emotions, Cain decides to feed his selfish desires, which only escalate the problem, leading us to point number two, to be a peacemaker. Might want to write this down. You got to think about the end result. To be a peacemaker, you got to think about the end result. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to pick back up in verse 6. It says this, Then the Lord said to Cain, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must what? Read these next three words out loud with me. You must rule over it. 
Now I want you to underline that phrase because we're gonna come back to it in just a moment. But one thing I love about this story is the fact that God never gives up on Cain. Did you notice this? Even though Cain doesn't bring his best offering to God, even, even though Cain let his emotions get the best of him, God never left Cain to his own devices, and the same is true for you and I. God never gives up on us. No matter how many times we blow it, no matter how many times we fall, no matter how many times we do the wrong thing, God is always calling us back to do the right thing. And so God comes back to Cain and he says, I want you to think about where all this is headed. I, I want you to think about your actions because if you do what is right, then I'm gonna show you the same kind of favor that I showed your brother, but if you do not do what is right, then sin is crouching at your door and it's going to destroy your life in ways that you can't even imagine. Now you would think, well, I think, you would, you would think that if Cain heard God's voice, then Cain would follow God's advice. And yet you and I both know it can be so hard to think clearly when we believe we've been offended by others. In fact, it reminds me of a story I heard about two churches. I actually found this on the internet, so it's gotta be true, right? So there are two churches <laughs> that are directly across the street from one another, a Catholic church and a Presbyterian church. And uh, these churches, typically, they get along just fine with one another, never have any real issues. That is until one day the Catholic church decides to put a sign on the marquee out in front of their building. This is what was on the sign in front of their building. All dogs go to heaven. Seems pretty harmless, right? But the Presbyterians did not agree with the Catholics. And so the next day, they decided to write on their marquee sign the following words. Only humans go to heaven, read your Bible. <laughs> okay, whoa, zing. Well, the Catholics saw this, they were a little hurt by this, and so the next day they had a sign on their marquee again, which said this, God loves all creatures, including dogs. Of course, the Presbyterians, they did not agree with this either, so they fired back with a statement of their own that read, dogs don't have souls, this is not open for debate. At which point, you see where this is going? <laughs> At which point, the Catholic Church promptly wrote back, Catholic dogs go to heaven. Presbyterian dogs should talk to their pastors. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, the Presbyterians could not leave well enough alone, so they said converting to Catholicism does not magically grant your dog a soul, prompting the Catholics to write back, free dog souls with every conversion. <laughs> the Catholics are winning if you're keeping score. I just... <laughs> Obviously, this caused the Presbyterians to really get upset, and so they posted this sign, dogs are like rocks, and rocks don't have soul either, to which the Catholics responded, all rocks go to heaven too. <laughs> now, if any part of that story offended you, you can spell my name T-I-M. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just... <laughs> don't, don't email me. Don't email Pastor Tim. Okay. Uh, listen, hopefully we can laugh about this, right? Because we understand that this is just harmless fun. But here's the problem oftentimes with harmless fun. You already know this, but sometimes it's the smallest comments that start the biggest conflicts. You, you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's the smallest comments that just set off the biggest conflicts. Someone says the wrong thing at the wrong time. Someone says the right thing with the wrong tone. Who knows? But all of a sudden, people get their feelings hurt. Somebody gets offended. 
and then all of a sudden it is on, right? And we have seen this more in the year 2020 than any other year, have we not? I mean, you, 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 it would be easy for us to label this the age of offense, year 2020. But according to sociologists, they're not calling it the age of offense. You know what they're calling it? The age of rage. You see, studies are showing that uh, tensions are high, that violence is on the rise, and the reason for that is the fact that people are stressed out, they're fearful about the future, and they are losing control of their emotions. But did you notice what God said to Cain? God said, sin may be crouching at your door, but you must what? I had you underline it. You must rule over it. In other words, God is saying, hey, listen, you can have victory over your emotions or you're going to fall victim to your emotions. You can control your feelings or your feelings are going to control you. Of course, some people will try and justify their rage by saying, well, I just can't help it. I'm just a passionate person. This is just how I am. I'm hot-headed. I just say what needs to be said. But God says, I've created you to rule. I've created you with the ability to think before you act. I've filled you with my spirit of peace. I've given you the power to control your emotions, meaning you don't have to yell at your kids every time they do something you don't like. You don't have to blow a gasket at work when somebody doesn't do something the way that you would do it. You don't have to reply to every post that comes across your social media news feed. Why? Because God says, I've created you to rule. I've created you to reign over your emotions. I've created you to have authority over sin and the prince of darkness in this world. I've created you to rule. You should be clapping at this part of the service right here. You should be getting excited about that fact. So how do we have victory over our emotions? I mean, I mean, how can we avoid conflict before it even begins? Well, we must think before we act. We must think about the consequences if we gave in to sin. We must think about the end result because if we don't, we're going to end up doing something that we're later going to regret, bringing us to point number three, to be a peacemaker. We've got to find a better way to respond. To be a peacemaker, I've got to find a better way to respond. Unfortunately, Cain never asked, why am I getting so upset? Cain, Cain never thought about the end result, and so it shouldn't surprise us at all of how the story ends. In fact, many of you already know how the story ends. This is Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Just four chapters into the Bible, just four chapters into the Bible, and we see the very first murder recorded in human history. Now, when it comes to conflict, we would never kill anybody. But, but there are a couple of different ways that you and I respond that I'm not sure are the most healthy or helpful. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Most people, when it comes to conflict, they re respond in one of two ways. They either respond as a skunk or a turtle, okay? Skunk or turtle. Just, just, just go with me, all right? This will make sense, and just, just, it'll make sense in a minute. But think about this. What do skunks do when they feel threatened by anybody? They, they, they turn their back, they raise their butt, and they spray. That's what they do, right? That's what skunks Where are my skunks in, in the house today? Where are my skunks? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Uh, how about this? Turtles, what do they do when they feel threatened by others? 
they, 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 just, they just suck it in. They just go, go into their shell, right, trying to protect themselves. Well, this is the two ways that many people handle conflict in their lives. Some people just say whatever pops into their heads while other people give the silent treatment. So, some will get in people's faces while, while others of us, we will walk around the house. We'll go in through the back door and walk to our bedroom just to avoid that person that we don't want to see in the living room. That's what we'll do. But I don't think that any of one of those approaches does our relationships any good. In fact, I would say neither one of those approaches really brings true peace to our relationships. Now, it might, be, it might make me feel better if I spray what I'm thinking all over people, or it might make me feel better if I give somebody the, the silent treatment, but maybe there's a better way. How about this? Maybe there's a godly way. Let's go back to James chapter 3. Listen to what James writes on this topic. He says, and those who are peace makers. Remember, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are to be a peacemaker. And those of us who are peacemakers will plant what? Seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, all throughout scripture, we find this principle of sowing and reaping. And so if you want more peace in your life, guess what you're going to have to do? You got to sow more peace with your life. So what does it look like to sow seeds of peace? peace. Well, I'm going to give you some very practical tools that you can take home and start using this week. Here they are. You might want to write these down someplace, but if you're, you're, you're letting somebody get under your skin or you're starting to get into conflict with somebody, here's what I would encourage you to do. Sow seeds of peace. Why not start praying for them? You know, it's hard to be mad at somebody when you're praying for them. Scripture says the prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much, and so when we pray, it changes things. It may not change the other person, but it may change you. So pray. Or how about this? Why not, why not serve that person that's driving you nuts? Why not, why not do something to bless their life? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so if you'll just serve them, you'll feel peace in your life. Or how about this one? Why not be the first person to say, I'm sorry? Now, that, one, that one's tough for us. I'm not saying that we take responsibility for everything that's happened, for all the hurts, but we take responsibility for our part. We just go to that person and we say, I'm sorry. I promise if you say I'm sorry to somebody, it's gonna de-escalate the situation very, very quickly. There, there are so many ways that you and I can sow seeds of peace, but perhaps the best way that we can sow seeds of peace is to simply to respond to people the way that God has responded to you. I mean, think about it. When God could have been angry with you, he responded with love. When God could have held your sins against you, God responded with grace. When God could have kept his distance from you, he sent his only son to this earth so that he could be close to you. And all he asked is that what he did for us is what we would do for others. See, we can be part of the solution or we can be part of the problem. God says, I want you to make peace with others. How do we become peacemakers in the world? We ask ourselves why, we think about the end result, and we respond in a better way. Why don't you stand? As we close the service, I wanna say that I know that this is not an, an easy topic for many of you. I know, I know that there are some people in the room today who are struggling with resentment and bitterness. I know that some of you are in relationships where there's conflict and it is destroying you from the inside out. And let me just say that I believe that there's a God in heaven, a God of peace who's put his spirit in you and he wants you, he calls you to be a peacemaker. Just remember that peace never really starts with me. 
Peace doesn't really even start with the other person. Peace always starts with God. I I can't explain it, but when I try and do things in my own power, it doesn't work out. But when I lean into the power of God, when I begin to walk and live by the Spirit, that's when I'm able to do what I can't do in my own flesh. And so I'm going to encourage you today, as you leave this place, maybe you've got a person in mind, a family in mind, a coworker in mind, you choose to be a peacemaker. Now, you cannot give what you do not have. And so if you're here today and you want to experience the peace of God, it starts by really accepting his son, Jesus Christ, and what he has done for you on the cross. I can't experience peace in my life until I have peace with God. And so at this time, if you would like to make that decision, I'm going to encourage you to text prayer to 642-123. Just text prayer to 642-123. We've got live volunteers who would love to talk to you, love to walk you through that decision. Or if you just need some peace in your life, you're like, man, I am struggling. I am struggling so hard to give peace to others. I need help. I need encouragement. There'll be somebody on the line who will pray with you and encourage you. Just remember, peace always starts with God. We can make peace with others because we're related to the prince of peace. Let's pray together. God, we come to you right now just so thankful for your word. And God, we live in a world of conflict right now. It just seems like everywhere we turn that someone's getting offended about something and somebody's putting us on blast for something. It just, it just feels like we can't get away from the tension. But God, you've called us to be peacemakers in the world. And so I pray, God, that we would take that on 100%, that we would own that as we leave this place, that every person that we come into contact with, that we would recognize that they are loved by you and that they need to know the peace that only you offer. And somehow, God, we know that you don't want to just give peace to us. You want to to use us to spread peace to the world. So help us to do that today. It's the name of Jesus that I pray and ask all these things. Amen. If you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.